This is the Manga Mavericks podcast from allcomic.com, episode 13, where we are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as an industry, but also as a medium. I think I might have uh, switched my catchphrase there, but whatever, who cares? I'm Colton. And I'm Sid. And uh, we got a guest for the uh, for episode 13. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself real quick, guest? Yeah, so my name is Josh Dunham. I'm from the Senpai Coast to Coast podcast and writer of Wave Motion Canon. Um, I'm here by accident or mistake or both. We'll okay, find so, out. Yeah, it was... Okay, so uh, <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to be able to record the show this week because I've had family over and I've had a lot of work and like it was whole this crazy schedule and I thought that I would be home by noon from like this trip me and my family went over like the, the last couple of days and we'd be home by noon, but I, apparently we were going to be leaving by noon and we usually record Fridays at noon. So I was like, uh oh, uh, we're going to do a schedule. So I contacted Colton. We, you know, we were going to like see if there was any other time, but like, uh, any other time of the weekend would just make it too hard for Colton to like edit the podcast in time for it to come out. So I was so ultimately decided that, you know, uh, we'd find like just someone else to fill in for me this week, you know, since I wasn't going to be able to make it. But yeah, you know, and, th- and then I and then I texted Josh and I was like, hey, buddy, have you read any manga lately? I really need somebody who has. And then uh, we, me and Josh set up a time. We, it was just going to be us two. And then Sid's like, oh, I could just suddenly come on tonight. Yeah, because I, I didn't think that you'd be free on Friday evenings. Because, like, last couple of weeks when we've been recording, you know, you've had to leave for work at, like, around 3.30-ish or so. So well, I thought no, you no, worked the, the, in the evenings. Well, no, the, the, thing, the thing is, is that I, I, just pref- I just prefer recording earlier in the day so we can just, you know, get it out and done. And so I can have more time to edit. No. Um, on, on Friday specifically. Saturdays are the days that are the worst for me because I usually have to work and I don't have a lot of time to uh, do a lot of podcasting stuff because I like to get up late. So. Uh, right. But for some reason, I thought you also worked on Friday evening. So I thought you wouldn't be available. Sometimes. On Friday sometimes my place of work will be like, hey, we don't we don't have a cook tonight. Can you please come in? And I'll be like, I guess I will. Like, I mean, it's extra hours. Why not? Um. So by accident. We have both Sid and Josh on tonight. But a happy accident. I think this will be a fun time. You make me sound like the child of manga mavericks. It's like (laughs) Josh is a happy accident. (laughs) (laughs) We make no mistake. We love you very much. Yes, yes. uh, We we love you and we love your work, Josh. Well, Mm. (laughs) well, thank you very much. I mean, I've been a fan of uh, manga mavericks since... I want to say it's Inception, but I know you guys had have things uh, rolling behind the curtain before I heard about it. But a uh, long story short, when I got the first episode, I was like, "Hey, this is actually it's actually pretty good." Of course, many of you, I imagine, know me from Life Lessons because I've been on there with Colton a couple times. So, yeah, no, I, I'm happy to be on. I love your show. It is my primary source of of manga news in this world there where you can't find anybody who can seemingly report it properly, so. Yeah, that's the case sometimes. Um, anyway, I think maybe we should just get started, because uh, we we don't have a ton of news this week. I mean, granted, at the time we were, were recording this, um, San Diego Comic-Con is happening at the moment, 
So I'm sure, may I don't know, maybe by the time the next episode rolls around, maybe we'll have some more news out of San, San Diego. But I don't know. I, 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 f- I feel like maybe a lot of the licensing news probably came and went with Anime Expo, like we discussed yeah. last time. Like a bunch of big stuff like was announced at Anime Expo. And then after that, there's just been a dry spell for the last two weeks. There hasn't been a whole lot of like big developments no, but I'm sure this will still be a long episode somehow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but here, so before we get into our news, um, I, we're, we're trying to do a better job of covering newer releases uh, every month, um, you know, with, with, with like newer stuff. So we just want to remind everybody that uh, along with Haikyuu, which um, we'll get to in just a second, but has been doing pretty well from what it seems, Um Along with, uh, you know, other sports manga that Visit picked up around the same time, uh, their release of Kuroko's Basketball is finally going to be starting on August 2nd. Um, they're releasing uh, the entire series in, like, two-in-one uh, Omnibuy editions, just to kind of get through it a little faster. Um, so, you know, if you're a fan of uh, Kuroko's Basketball as well, um, you'll definitely want to pick that up. Hopefully, uh, that'll do well as well. Um, of course, you can also, you know, read free chapters of that uh, while they last on viz.com. You uh, really want to take advantage of that. That is that it really is an awesome thing that they're doing. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I think last episode we mentioned that uh, the manga for Revolutionary Girl Utena uh, got picked up by Viz as well. Well, I mean, they already had the license to it. Now they're re-releasing it. Okay, that's right. That's right. Thank you. Um, it looks like we got a, uh, kind of a release date for, uh, for the newer edition. Uh, looks like it's going to be coming next spring, 2017. Well, that's mm-hmm. a good sign because they've been wanting to re-release or Nozomi has been aiming to re-release, uh, Utena on Blu-ray. So that just bodes well. And if they're trying to time that up right, you know what I'm saying? There could be some cross promotion going on. Maybe not, but I mean, that only bodes well for Utena fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so Sid, uh, you want to cover the New York Times list for us, please? Yes, this is the New York Times best-selling list for, for the week of July 10th to the 16th. Now, we got our usual kind of uh, suspects here in terms of like frequent returnees to this list. Uh, I guess I'll just get those out of the way first. Uh, coming in in the boat number one and number two spots are One Punch Man volumes, with volume one ranking number one on the list, and on this list now for 46 weeks, almost to a year. And then at number two, we have One Punch Man volume seven, recently released last week, uh, and on this list now for like two weeks. So One Punch Man continues to sell strong. Volume 1 of One Punch Man being at the very top, I think, is probably because of the uh, press it's getting on Toonami recently. Most likely. Uh, Definitely that's, like, stirred up some buzz again. But One Punch Man has also just been a consistent seller just for this last year or so since it's been – since it started being released in print. Exactly, exactly. In the U.S., so it's just continuing its strong selling streak. As is Tokyo Ghoul on with three entries on this list. Volume 1 ranking at number 3 and on this list now for 54 weeks. Uh, volume 7 at number 8 ranking on this list now for 4 weeks. And uh, Volume 2 coming in at number 10 and having been in and out of this list now for 33 weeks. Ooh, there you go. Tokyo Ghoul is... 
Go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, Tokyo Ghoul is doing well like always. Um, what were yeah. you going to say, Josh? Well, it was just how many weeks has One Punch Man been on there? Well, the first volume of One Punch Man or just One Punch Man in general? Yeah, the first volume. Uh, 46 weeks, and I believe consecutively since it's been out. And the record holder is currently Attack on Titan, right? I believe so. That lasted like 100 plus weeks. Yeah, that lasted a pretty long time. Okay, do you think that uh, One Punch Man has a chance at getting that, or? I think so. I mean, it definitely has big mainstream appeal. Like, it's being talked about, like, not just anime fans like Attack on Titan was. And I think that the Tanami airing is just going to, like, boost its mainstream visibility and just get it out to more audiences who might not have discovered it otherwise. So I could see it, like, lasting a hundred weeks consecutively on the list. I mean, it's still... I'm not sure. I mean, One Punch Man, I don't think has become as big a success of Attack on Titan did. You know, it didn't, it, ha- it didn't really blow up as big as Attack on Titan, but it could still blow up that way. I maybe with the Tanami earring. I, I, I don't know. It could, but I, I do think that it'll last on this list for a considerable while yet. But, but Sid, we, we all know that no anime is popular until you have your merchandise at Hot Topic. This is a golden rule. <laughs> That's true, but I wouldn't be surprised if One Punch Man stuff isn't being sold at, like, one a Hot Topic. Like, it's some locations, at least. I could definitely see an Opai sweatshirt selling at uh, at Hot Topic. I will. I'm, <laughs> I, I would definitely buy one of those. I'd buy I two. One. I have two Space Dandy jackets. I'd buy two of those, like, without a doubt. But I guess... They were selling Space Dandy stuff at Hot Topic? No, no, no. no. I, had to, I had to actually import both of those, but... Uh, I'm curious, you mentioned the comment of uh, One Punch Man selling really, really well. What do you think about the recent announcement of JoJo's being on Tsunami? Do you think we're going to see a resurgence in uh, JoJo's selling? Oh, I think so, Oh, uh, yes. yeah. I mean, JoJo's has already been pretty popular on this list. I mean, it, I mean, it, volumes don't rank consistently like One Punch Man and Tokyo Ghoul. They're not, like, omnipresent on these lists. But, but, it's, they, but it's not. it's not rare. Yeah, it sells well. When new volumes come out, they stay on the list for a couple weeks. And I do think that, again, once it, when it gets like more visibility in like the public eye, once it has like, uh, Toonami airing and can get into more homes and more people can discover it, like there'll be more interest gathering up, like more people will go out, like to f- find more stuff about the series. They'll go and check out the manga. So I'm sure that can only boost its sales. But I mean, I don't think it's going to be, like a One Punch Man, like Tokyo Ghoul, like all the volumes are going to rank like every week on the list, but definitely it's just going to grow in terms of popularity and sales, I feel. And and hey, speaking of JoJo's, JoJo's already has shirts at Hot Topic, so JoJo's is already, uh, you know, ahead of the game. That's true. Anyway, Sid, we should probably really finish the list. All right. <laughs> We're only halfway done. <laughs> yes, um... Behind One Punch Man and Tokyo Ghoul, the other series that has, uh, that is represented more than once in the latest list is Orange, which has both of its collections, um, on the list with, uh, Volume 2, uh, ranking at number 4 on the list for five non-consecutive weeks, and then, uh, Collection 1 at number 6. This is actually its first time on the list, actually. Huh. It's probably because of the anime. It is pro- most likely because of the anime, because the anime is one of the more popular ones to come out of the summer season. So that's probably boosted the interest and sales of the manga. Yep. 
Yeah, and then besides Orange, we have Bleach Volume 63 at number 5. 67. 67, sorry. Uh, it's pre- I, I got that mixed up because its previous rank on the list was No, three. yeah, I, I, I see that now. Yeah, and so it's been on the list now for two weeks. Um, and then we have Assassination Classroom Volume 10, which jumped back into the list for this week. Uh, and we also have Haikyuu Volume 1 uh, on this list now for two weeks and a good sh- at ranking at number seven and a good showing for Haikyuu. Like, it's good to see that the series is like pretty successful, like just at least right now, because Wiz has been pushing this. There's been a lot riding on Haikyuu being and ha- Haikyuu and Kuroko's releases being very successful because that's going to like really determine if there's like a market for more sports series because historically sports series haven't really sold all that great in the West, at least sports manga. So Haikyuu's success here is just a really good sign that like there is now this market and like it bodes well for more sports series getting like print releases. I mean, it's going to have to keep this up, but I think it's good to see Haikyuu like volume one, like be on this list for two weeks in a row. We we should we well. should also we should also I'm sorry we should also point out that uh, we didn't get to uh, cover it because this is the this is the at the time of the recording this is the newest New York Times bestselling list. But in the one previous, Sid mentioned how it had been on the list for two weeks. Uh, on its previous rank, uh, it ranked number two on the list. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, it had a very strong debut. So that's yeah. just a good sign. Hopefully we can see that kind of um, we can see that kind of thing for uh, Kuroko's as well. Yeah, hopefully it's a consistent seller too. We see other volumes like you know have strong debuts on the New York Times list and like stay on the list for a couple weeks in a row. I was definitely seeing a lot of excitement for Haiku. So mm-hmm. Haiku is pretty is one of the bigger sports series out right now. It's probably I don't know if it's the biggest, but it, it might be. I'd say it's probably pretty damn close because I'm trying to think of the other sports series in Jump that get that much uh, appeal. Kuroko's, I mean, at that point, it's in Jump Squared, so. I mean, yeah, Kuroko's over and, like, that spinoff is over, too, so. Yes, that's right. But, I mean, we're still getting, we're going to get those OVAs. Yeah, and there's, like, a film next year, too, I believe. Is it a film? Yeah, Yeah. it's a film. Okay, so it's actually going to have a theatrical release in the whole nine yards? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, sweet, sweet. I'm looking forward to that then. But uh, if Haikyuu can't do well, then I don't know what will. I mean, even Kuroko's is probably less accessible. So yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's Haikyuu's doing pretty well so far. So I think this is very promising, at least. Yeah. Um. But here, Sid, uh, we got another list we probably should talk about. We're going to be talking about uh, the monthly book scan list for June. And some, uh, as usual, like some uh, good manga, have ranked on here as well. A plenty of them, is, in fact. Uh, the big one is, of course, Tokyo Ghoul, which is like the most always. represented. <laughs> as always. I mean, it's the most represented on this list by far. We can't get away from it. No, we can't. That We have to keep... T- we talk about it every week because it's just consistently... In the public eye. It's just going to be on here until until I read all of it. Yeah. Maybe once you read all of it, it'll go away. I Maybe. <laughs> Help us, Colton. You are our last hope. Uh, do I have to? Stop the invasion of the ghouls, Colton. 
Oh. And read Ultraman while you're at it. Okay, I, I do have that first volume of Ultraman sitting on my bookshelf. I'm looking at it right now. Such a damn good series. Uh, that's what I hear. Um, what, what, what else is on the list, Sid? Well, I'll just mention that there's three volumes of Tokyo Ghoul in the top ten in particular for the book scan list, and volume seven ranked at number two. So, I mean, Tokyo Ghoul is pretty dominating on the manga scene and in comparison to other graphic novels in the country. But also on the list, we have, of course, One Punch Man with two volumes on here, specifically volume one and number 12 and volume six and number 20. And... Uh, and a surprise, we also have Orange on the list with, uh, I believe the first volume, uh, coming at a number 19 on the book scan list. And that's pretty yeah. surprising. Wouldn't have expected Orange to be, uh, quite a competitive, as competitive a seller with other graphic novels, but it seems to be doing very well for Seven Seas. I'm sure the anime is a huge contributor to that success, but that's good. I mean, having showed uh, some shoujo series sell very well is just good for the, you know, the state of releases in that, you know, genre. So, and Orange is also a very good series just in general. So I'm, I'm glad to see it successful. But anyway, so enough lists. I'm so tired of talking about lists. Not really. Lists are, lists are cool. Lists are, lists are great. What are the top five lists you're sick of talking about? Uh, well, <laughs> well, uh, my my number one is uh, no, I'm not gonna no, I'm not gonna commit to the bit. Um, so uh, we mentioned that uh, San Diego Comic Con is is a thing that's happening right now. Whether we're gonna get a lot of manga news out of it, uh, I don't know. Sort of remains to be seen. But uh, Viz apparently did announce. Uh, I think it was yeah, t- it was either today or yesterday. I forget at the time of this recording. Um, that they're going to be adding a new, uh, new manga to their, um, to their, basically to their category of free manga that you can read on viz.com. Uh, they're going to be adding something called Astra Lost in Space. Now, you're probably wondering, Colton, why are you bringing this up? This doesn't sound interesting at all. Well, uh, if you're a fan of Sket Dance, you will be, because this is, this is basically authored by that same guy, Kenta Shinohara, the author of Sket Dance. Um, and if you love Sket Dance as much as I do, uh, you are going to want to read this. Granted, I don't know much about the actual premise of the manga, other than it looks like it's going to be a manga set in a civilization in space, which, you know, for those of you who have read enough Sket Dance, um, you could tell that Shinohara, you know, he, he has a, he, he probably had an inkling to write, you know, something space related for a while. That I think there, there are literally parts of the manga where, like, you know, it, like, it'll be, it'll be after serious arcs, too, where, like, you know, as, like, kind of a palate cleanser, he'll just have, he'll have the main characters of Sket Dance just kind of set in these, like, different settings, like, space and, like, Dragon Quest RPG kind of stuff, which I always thought was, were, uh, kind of funny, but, uh, but yeah, so Viz is gonna be putting this up, uh, putting chapters of this up for free, along with, uh, their other stuff, such as, uh, Crocus Basketball, Haikyuu, uh, The Emperor and I, Blue Exorcist, and all that other stuff. Uh, there's no um, there's no date for that yet. Uh, apparently, they're going to be putting it up soon. Quotation marks, which uh, you know can't can't be up on there soon enough. Um, and it looks like uh, they're going to be looking into uh, putting other uh, series on their list of free series regularly. So. Um, I think I was talking about last episode how I really, really, really want them to put more stuff from the Jump Plus app over in Japan, which is where, you know, stuff like The Emperor and I comes from, which, um, 
I, I talked about a lot about how I love The Emperor and I. It's such a cute manga. Sid, have you read it yet? I ha- I read like the first chapter when it came out, and I haven't read any more. But rest assured, Colton, that my brother <laughs> every day nags me. You should read more Emperor and I. Why Good, aren't I agree you reading with more Emperor and I? Yeah, and I will. I will read more. <laughs> I, I I'm I'll get around to it. I've just been <laughs> kind of busy and not quite in the mood for it. But I will. I will read more. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, Sid. I I did. I forgot your brother uh, apparently was a fan of the Emperor and I as well. Um. So as a fan of Sket Dance, I, I will be supporting this from the bottom of my heart, and hopefully, hopefully we can get some uh, graphic novel releases for this as well. But uh, anyway, so Sid. Speaking speaking of manga, you know, the thing we talk about on the show, that was a horrible transition. Uh, so, well, what, what's the next thing we're talking about here? So that wasn't really a transition at all. No, it wasn't. No. Thank you, Josh, for that, for that <laughs> astute observation. I gotta be here for something, Colton. <laughs> How do you feel about tentacles? Oh, please don't ask him that. <laughs> I love them. No. <laughs> Mm, then you're going to love this piece of news, because Faku, the- uh, Whoa, 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 Sid, that's not nice. No. Second F-bomb on the uh, Manga Mavericks podcast. I think I made that joke the last time. <laughs> I think you did, but uh, if you may recall from that episode, which I believe was like two weeks ago, they were running a Kickstarter to release Toshio Maeda, like, Basically, the uh, king of the harem genre, like the person who kind of like set the standard for the genre, like he, they're releasing his seminal work, Uro Tsuki Doji, otherwise known as Legend of the Overfiend. Uh, they they have like they ran a Kickstarter to re-release it like in better quality and with like uh uncensored content and new content that he'll be drawing for it and so that uh, be- was successfully funded. Uh, it met it, it uh raised sixty thousand and twenty one dollars, surpassing its forty seven thousand dollars goal. Uh, didn't meet its stretch goal. For uh, made it update the artwork, unfortunately, but it reached its goal, so they will be uh, releasing it now. Um, and since this was successful, I'm sure that they're going to continue with their plan to publish Meta's uh, other collection of series in the future. So for Meta fans, this is pretty good news, I'm sure. And I kind of wish I remembered to kickstart this because I do want I do want to read Urtsuki Doji because it's such a historically important work in like in terms of its influence on like hentai genre and like kind of like popularizing like tentacles in Jap- Japanese pornography or whatever. So I kind of wanted to read it just for that historical perspective, but I maybe I'll see I'll hunt down copies read it just for the articles <laughs> yeah yeah i definitely sound like that kind of guy right i i, I just want to read uh this issue of playboy just for the articles not not because of the uh the photos of the beautiful uh almost naked women no i, I don't care about that at all yeah yeah i want to i want to read hustler for their uh for their article on on, on how to please your man right that's, that's what we read it for right anyway so uh I, I like how we just let that one hang there. 
Yeah, thanks, guys. <laughs> you guys are the best. I have to tell you, though, those techniques, I do enjoy them, though. Thank you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> thanks, Josh. I, I'm glad somebody does. So, guys, um, I, I need to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. How, how, how badly do you guys want a My Hero Academia spinoff manga? I think there's a lot of uh, potential in that universe for a spinoff. I do not. I am definitely open to reading one if it's done uh, correctly. W- what about you, Josh? Um, I don't want it at all. I want. Well, too bad you're getting one. Yeah, I know. that's that's too bad because uh, we uh, we we talked about Shota Jump Giga. I think about an episode or two ago, and about it's it's basically another. Um, what was it? <sighs> Josh, do you remember on um do you remember on on uh, on an episode of Life Lessons we talked Akamaru about Akamaru Jump uh, or is it Akamaru Jump, Jump? Yeah. Yeah, so I think this is basically I think this is actually I don't remember. I'm pretty sure this was Akamaru Jump and this is like another like transformation of the brand is basically what this is. Don't don't you just love it when that happens, Josh? Well, the thing is, you have to remember and this was reported just a little while ago that Overall print sales across all of the major three manga anthology prints has been down by 10% or more. That is uh, true. You know, things like V-Jump have been created to combat this, you know, and, and rebranding is... I mean, you can't do that for the big three, obviously, because their branding is their their selling power. But, yep. you know, that's what happens when you have these subsidiary titles. But, I mean, Akamaru Jump is a very prolific magazine. It's where a lot of those one-shots that turn into really big, important series debut oftentimes, or they move more monthly series into that sort of thing. So, I mean, Giga, I suppose, I don't think this one will last. The branding seems kind of off. Not that I'm like, oh, I read this every week. But it just <laughs> it seems it seems a little bit weaker than looking at like Akamaru Jump or anything, you know, or Squared or whatever the case may be. It just seems to not hold up. But anyway, that's beside the point. I, I can kind of agree with some of that. Um, but uh, yeah, so basically, we, we talked about it before, how basically they've gotten a lot of uh, different Jump authors uh, currently or have worked with the magazine before to kind of do their own uh, series in, in, in uh, Jump Giga. And it looks like we're going to be getting some uh, some uh, spinoffs and side stories for a certain series, which we won't go over all of them. But uh, apparently there's going to be a My Hero Academia spinoff called uh, Vigilante Boku no Hero Academia Illegals. Why didn't you just say My Hero Academia Illegals? Because Trump placed them on the other side of the wall. We're going to make manga great again. Trump is a weeaboo? No, Bernie is the only true weeaboo. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so the only thing we know about this My Hero Academia spinoff is that the story will feature illegal heroes, which I don't know what that means, but it sounds cool. Well, I just told you what that means. Guys, holy shit. Do you think, do you think this My Hero Academia spinoff will take place during the presidency of Trump? (laughs) Are you asking if Trump will win the presidency? Uh, I I didn't say that. No, I'm just saying in in, in an alternate universe where Trump wins, he 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 sends all the heroes over the wall because you know that they're they're they do nothing but you know destroy the town and all that stuff and their in their heroism. Americans don't feel safe. No, I mean it's 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 kind of like it's kind of like the Incredibles only to like the nth power. Hmm. It'd be amusing if they had like. A Trump XP is kind of like the villain, a villain in the series. Like, this is a dystopian future where Trump has ruined the world. 
and because of all like the crime and chaos that he's caused, vigilantes have popped up to kind of like right the right the wrongs and bring order back into like the the chaotic like gang run down neighborhoods of the United States. Maybe I would pay for a spinoff where Bakugo blows Trump's face off. That that would be, <laughs> that would cool. be great. But yeah, other than that, I I mean I don't know. I I kind of hope this is another thing that maybe like jump either puts in their magazine or maybe they pick this up to put out for free on viz.com i'd I'd like i'd like to give it a shot sounds kind of neat yeah i I see this as something that they put up as like one of the free content on the shonen jump site i don't know if it'd be like something they'd add to the magazine yeah actually now that i now that i say that probably not because i mean they they do have their fair share of um of uh spinoffs from other popular series on viz.com as well Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see them probably adding this at some point. I, I, I don't see why they wouldn't. I mean, first off, that's been a, a very popular trend that they've been doing for a very long time. Look at Yu-Gi-Oh! Yu-Gi-Oh! hasn't been run by the original creator for a very long time. But he's still making a lot of money. <laughs> oh, he's still making shit tons of money. You know, he could be a Kira Toriyama for what we care. But, um, I wonder if he's... No, he probably hasn't made more money than a Kira Toriyama. But anyway, um... The flip side is also you look at Naruto and now we have Boruto, which is, you know, maybe has some oversight in that regard, but it's not run by the original creator. Just My Hero Academia, they're starting that even sooner. They're trying to get like almost like a franchise. And and really, to be honest with you, I don't think it's going to work. It doesn't it doesn't really work for Yu-Gi-Oh! I mean, Yu-Gi-Oh! is kind of like the people who watch Yu-Gi-Oh! watch Yu-Gi-Oh! like Yu-Gi-Oh! That, that's kind of it. You know, it's the Yu-Gi-Oh! fans who are participating. It's not really drawing a new crowd. It's also about the card game, too. Yeah, no, no, totally. And the big sales come from, like, that card game, and it's like the manga anime exists to promote that card game, and it's just this big franchise where there's all this merchandise, and all that merchandise sells, and, like, it, the thing with Yu-Gi-Oh! is that it's catering to young audiences, yep. and it's marketed toward those young audiences, and those young audiences eat basically all this up. And like, yeah, so regardless of the quality of like these spinoffs of Yu-Gi-Oh, there's still like young audiences who get into each new Yu-Gi-Oh series. They buy all the new Yu-Gi-Oh merchandise. And that's how this franchise has kept like surviving for like 20 years now is that there's still a market for Yu-Gi-Oh merchandise. Like there's still interest in card games and toys and like kids who will watch the anime, who will read these manga spin-offs. Well, let's, so, look at, let's look at Naruto, right? Okay. So Naruto ended, right. then they did Boruto. Okay. Right. Now I want you to imagine, this is how I feel when it comes to talking about this, uh, this new vigilante spinoff. Imagine if Naruto hadn't ended and Boruto ended, ended up starting now obviously that couldn't happen because boruto is completely hingent on the ending of naruto but just imagine for a moment that it did i mean how would that make you feel you're in the middle of reading the main work and all of a sudden they come out with the sidekick story which i mean by all means doesn't necessarily rob the original of any intent but it just it suddenly feels less sincere it feels way more cash cow driven versus actually being about promote i mean the best manga have almost always been about trying to push some sort of boundary even when that boundary was just making more sales i mean fist of the north star or even dragon ball in some case uh, in a lot of cases but i mean like the best manga have always been cutting edge in some form even if it is for for chasing pennies this isn't really cutting edge it's just chasing pennies I'm not really sold on My Hero Academia being a very big series at all because I, I feel like it's inflated 
um, that literally Shueisha is just trying to present the next big thing, but it doesn't seem to be catching on the same way. And I think this is kind of, they're promoting this faster to see if, well, maybe if we get two series, they can have some synergy off each other. I don't think it's going to work. I agree that it's too early to really push My Hero Academia as this big franchise. Like, that is, it, it might be worrying as they start, like, trying to make a My Hero Academia expanded universe or My, My Hero Academia manga universe or whatever, some equivalent to, like, what the big trend to make, like, these cinematic universes in like Hollywood films now and like they try to make multiple spin-offs set in the My Hero Academia universe I do think that there is a risk of kind of like treading upon the sincerity of the original work there and in the cases of the Yu-Gi-Oh spin-offs and um Boruto those happened after the original work had already concluded like those kept the train going they didn't like already start running while you know, the the original series were going, like, they happened afterwards just to keep the franchise, like, alive. Like, this is, like, the difference here with Vigilante is that, you know, it's starting up while, like, My Hero Academia is still, like, running, and also it's still very young. Like, it's nowhere close to nearing its conclusion. I mean, it's just starting up. It's, like, only two years old. So I, I do think that there is, like... So I do see some concern in like a jump, maybe trying to push My Hero Academia is this really big thing, like too hard. But at the same time, I think that a difference with Vigilante is that it is just a story set in the same universe instead of interfering with the story of My Hero Academia. It's not like it's not. It seems to be focusing on a different kind of original set of characters instead of taking the existing characters and trying to do um different stories with them. And in that way, I at least think it's preferable than something like Soul Eater or Not. Or or Attack on Titan Junior High. <laughs> oh, well th- that's a that's a different kind of thing in that it's like a chibi manga comedy gag spin-off and those are a dime of dozen. I mean this is a little more this is a little more kind of a it's trying to be a more serialized You can't toss story. something like the Shinji Kari Rising project or whatever. You can't like that's it's not even but this it just feels insincere. It feels very we are trying to grab your it just feels just crap money i'm not excited for it i have my own problems with with hero academia as is so i mean like for me i'm the negative nancy here and i'm like well i have i mean like they, they have still yet to sell me on this series that has only been out for two years which is relatively i mean like how long has uh assassination classroom been out assassination classroom lasted like three and a half years so quite literally this thing is almost as old as uh, Assassination Classroom. And to be 100% honest with you, if it ended in a year and a half, I I, I mean, I can still see that. Now, I don't wish that upon the series. I'm not saying, oh, this is horrible. I hate it, you know. But I'm trying to be honest here. And I feel like it is a lot of posturing. And once that posturing is peeled back, who who's really reading this? You know, I, I, feel, and I feel like the best thing that sums this up is when we had... All you know, we had Goku, and we had that 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 image where um, 
what was it? Um, I'm trying to remember the whole thing. I, I can't recall the top of my head, but all those other mangaka ended up kind of giving a, oh, you carry on the uh, the spirit of jump, you know, for uh, Deku there. All the main jump heroes, Naruto, and uh, maybe Luffy was there. Or Bleach, you know, uh, Ichigo definitely wasn't there because, you know, Shonen Jump hates Bleach. But... <laughs> You know, like they're trying to sit like Goku, Luffy and Naruto are like, oh, yeah, carry on the carry on the torch or whatever. And like that was cool at the moment. It's like, oh, cool. They're really putting their their effort behind that. But now it's just not cool anymore. It doesn't feel like they're putting effort behind it. It feels like they've put too much money on the wrong horse and that horse isn't running as fast as they thought it was going to. Mm -hmm. That's kind of that's kind of my feeling. But I mean, I'm not trying to offend anybody or say it's subpar. I'm just saying it's not nearly as good in a lot of ways that a lot of um, advertising tends to make it out to be. Yeah, I mean, I understand your perspective, and I under- yeah, and there are like it does make me raise an eyebrow when I when I saw this. It did make me raise an eyebrow when I saw that they were doing a spinoff for My Year Academia. But I think that before anything, I'm going to like read it, and then I'm going to judge it after I've read it, because. Even if the intentions behind making the spinoff are misguided, the work itself could still be good. And Definitely. ultimately, that's what I ca- all I care about is whether it's a good series or not. I, I actually, I agree with what you said earlier, Sid, that I think the world of academia lends itself to... I, th- I think it lends itself well to a spinoff. It's the same mm-hmm. thing that Marvel Comics has been doing for you know the longest time. DC Com- it's, it's the same setup. Uh, the exact same setup. So you have this world where you can literally create thousands of characters with powers and then just have them run wild. It's the, you know, it's the West coast, East coast Avengers right now. Um, or at least that's yeah. the theory. I, you know, it's not out. I haven't read it. And I think Sid has the best um, opinion of just, you know, give it a chance before you, you cast the stone, but I'm going to cast the stone early and call it and say, it's not going to be nearly as good as the original because these things don't tend to be as good as the original. That seems to be a, a no, common, a common trend. Um, and then on top of that, it, it just seems misguided as Sid put it. So, I mean, at the end of the day, read it, see how it goes. Love it. If you love it, but, you know what? It's not, I have no reason to look at this because I have yet to get a reason to really look at Hero Academia. And I've like blindly purchased four volumes. I really want to believe in the series, but I I ditched the anime because the anime was just, it was exact retread of everything. And it just feels so, it just feels so lost really the, the the series itself, but that's another topic. You know, this isn't the uh, Hero Academia podcast, but I'm just saying like, you know, if it makes you feel any better, Josh, uh, a lot of stuff in academia that's introduced very early on, like in volume two and three, um, very, very recently has kind of come to a head. So I don't know. I, I would say keep reading. Yeah. Did you get to the uh, internship arc in My Year Academia? Well, so that's the thing is like I bought four volumes and I've maybe read the first two and started on the third. And I'm just like... <sighs> I honestly, I grew, I grew up with American comic books and I see the tradition that this is trying to draw on. I'm not interested in that. So maybe it's just a personal jaded bias. Cool, whatever. But there's nothing overly interesting. And this is why I say something like Naruto is better because at least with Naruto, whether you like the main character or not, that world is rich. Like you could do an entire series of any of those characters and you could do an entire series of the adventures of Kakashi's team. You could do one of um, Jiraiya's team and that would be a 
great, great series that wouldn't necessarily have to be a spin-off manga. Wouldn't have to. I mean, it could just be like a one shot, and you could, you know, theoretically, every once in a while, pop these out. But I'm saying. Hero Academia hasn't done well enough to take the spot. That's why we have freaking Baruto is because nothing is replacing Naruto right now. Bleach is floundering. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think they're really going to keep the Bleach franchise alive. I don't think Jump has that much interest in that, in continuing it with like, like spinoffs or anything. Oh, they're not going to. No, they're going to drop it right in the water and tell Kubo, hey, get to work on something that was better than zombie powder. Um, <laughs> at the same time, though, you have Gintama's ending. You have a lot of things in Jump that are, I mean, uh, isn't Assassination Classroom done? Yeah, Assassination Classroom ended a couple months ago. Okay, yeah. so that one's done. Um, you have two new series that are ending. You have now these, sp- it just, to me, I'm not saying, N- Nisekoi's oh my gosh. ending. Yeah, Nisekoi's ending as well, so there's the, the third one too. But I mean, like, it just- And Toriko. Yeah, shit, you're right. Yeah, oh, to- even- Tor- Toriko, I think, is probably going to last another year at the very least. No, I think, I mean, like, they're in, like, the final battle stage. I mean, I feel that Toriko they're, they're getting is there. on its way out. I mean, yeah. I don't see, I mean, yeah, we're probably going to have something in space. But I think that there isn't that much higher they can go after they beat Neo and well, Acacia. Yeah, not yeah. to derail, not to derail. I really want to ask this question to both of you guys, because I respect your opinion. What do you think the status of Jump is going to be? I mean, to me, this spinoff is a statement of that. Now, I'm not trying to sound like Hideakiano <laughs> those years ago and be like, oh, man, manga's in trouble. But I'm saying Shonen like, Jump was a mistake. Shonen, that, that was Miyazaki. <laughs> that was Miyazaki. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oops. Yeah, don't confuse your your bearded Japanese men. Jesus, I thought yes, you liked so, stuff. So, sorry, guys. What what am I even doing on this podcast? I'm. That's yeah. That's why I'm. No, I'm just kidding. The um, <laughs> but no, literally. I mean, to me, this is a statement that Jump is not in trouble, but is kind of lost. I think My Hero Academia is the perfect analogy of the state of Jump. They want to be big. They have vision of their former glory, but they seem lost. I mean, what do you guys think? There's a big. There's going to be big, like, upheaval with the Jump, like, lineup, like, because a big series are ending, like, really popular recent series that started earlier in this decade are ending. Um, It's just, they don't, and My Hero Academia, it has, like, become, it's basically their biggest thing right now, and that's why they're pushing it so hard, that's why they're having these spinoffs, because they want something really solid, something that can really support them, and that's also, I think, why they have Boruto is to continue the Naruto train is that, you know, they, they, they want to have reliable successes. They want to like kind of keep, they want to, cause the last time Jump really crashed was when Dragon Ball and Slam Dunk ended in the early nineties. Yep. And they went from six million like readers to like three and a half leaders. They lost yep. half of their readership. And so like with all these big series ending, I'm sure they're really concerned that they're going to like lose a substantial amount of readership. And that's why they really want to push like a huge next big thing, a huge Naruto level hit, something like that will continue to, that will support their readership, that will keep readers coming back, even with these long running mainstay series like leaving. So that's why they're really pushing my hair academia so hard, even though it's so young and it hasn't really quite reached the same like level of success Naruto and One Piece did at their prime. It's just still climbing the ranks like it's doing well in jump but it's not really as massive a hit as naruto and one piece became it became not yet and it's not 
and that's and that's why they're trying so hard to make it that and why they're really searching for uh, for means to like keep readers interested in the shonen jump brand like keep them coming back to the shonen jump brand even with all these all their like long running series and veteran series go- going away like there is going to be a huge change in the status quo jump and like jumps. I don't think jumps position as the most read manga magazine in Japan is going to be treading because it's just too mainstream and it has one piece, like the best selling manga ever. Well, see, like, I, I, sorry, I hate to interrupt you, Sid, but yeah, I was going to say, um, honestly, Josh ask me that when one piece ends, because I feel like that's when we're in trouble. I don't think it's in trouble. I don't, I don't want to sound like oh I'm I'm the you know. No, I know, but like I don't think. No, yeah, but a, a lot of a lot of a lot of really popular things are ending, and it is a little. We still have Food Wars. There's still Boruto. There's still One Piece. I mean, people will buy Shonen Jump if it just only printed One Piece. So yep. I mean, that's not that's not an issue. I'm just saying, like, I feel like the quality. I mean, like, have any of these jump starts actually lasted? Black Clover. <laughs> That's great, Black Clover, because who the fuck... I uh, can't say that, I'm sorry. Because who is actually... <laughs> I'm sorry, I forget. I'm it's, a, it's okay, it's fine. Who's actually reading that and enjoying it? Like, I hear it's I popular know a few in Japan, people, actually. I, I kind of enjoy it. But you have to say kind of in front of it. Like, I mean, yeah, it's, it's still it's not up, Naruto. It's an up and down. It's well, actually, not, it's it, an up I and mean, down it kind series. of is. No, but it's, well, that's my point. It's like Naruto, it's Naruto was the ass end of Shonen Jump for the longest time, and nothing can compare with it right now, except for like One Piece. But One Piece is 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 the resurrection of Dragon Ball Plus. You know, guys, so. I'm I am so sorry for bringing up the Academia spinoff. I did I didn't think we'd be so torn. <laughs> and One Piece One Piece is just something people expect to read in Shonen Jump now. Like they pick up a copy of Shonen Jump. They expect one they expect two things. They expect One Piece to be in there, they expect Kochi Kame to be in there. Yep. So those are just people things that people take for granted that comes with the Shonen Jump brand. Like those those are not going away like anytime in the is soon. Like One Piece will eventually go away. I don't know about Kochi Kame, but there's no danger of that right now. I think what Jump is concerned about is just like have is just having a stable like foothold with their popular series and having like more creating new big IP IPs like and raising the popularity of the IPs that they're seeing that are growing in popularity right now like My Hero Academia and I, this spin-off seems as a way to design to increase My Hero Academia's like just popularity just by like saturating the market with more I My Hero Academia stuff so that's what I I see what they're trying. That's what I feel like they're trying to do. And no, they're not in trouble necessarily, but I do think that they're concerned that there could be like a dangerous drop off if they're not careful if they don't do anything like to like keep like their strong franchises going and to nurture the franchise that have the potential to be big, not just domestically in Japan, but internationally. And that's another reason why I think they're pushing my hair academia so hard is because with superheroes so popular, like worldwide because of the, you know, MCU and like superhero and increasing like the popularity of superheroes worldwide. Like my hair academia has the potential to be this big main mainstream success worldwide, like in the same way Naruto was a decade earlier and it's just not there yet at all but they want it to be 
it, yeah, it could be too early. I mean, it is too early because when you think about it, Naruto didn't become that big until it started airing in the U.S. six years after the manga started in Japan. Well, yeah, but that was a totally different era too. Like, I mean, geez, Louise, yeah. we were still airing Cowboy Bebop, and it's just like it, that was a mm. totally different era. And then, what was the competition for Naruto? I mean, there's nothing else quite like you know what was airing on Tanami on other network kids networks. So there really wasn't anything that was quite like Naruto. Right. And I think what we kind of reached is a status quo where we have, I don't want to call them lukewarm because that seems insulting, but we've reached more of a, of a even temperament across all of these, these properties, food wars or, or, you know, whatever the case may be is sitting right next to, uh, I'm doing a bad job of making an example. There are just so many different series that are coming out both on the anime side and even the manga side that are all level hits. And it's not, I mean, maybe we're taking an approach, maybe I'm approaching this from the wrong perspective and saying, well, because they can't get something this big, thus, you know, they must have some sort of trouble. Well, that's not necessarily true either, because isn't it better to have a bunch of consistent properties, which you can kind of hold on to for a while versus having two or three ones, which are really, really big? I don't know. It really depends on how their, their structure is set up. So maybe this whole point is ludicrous and I'm missing the entirety of the point, but... I feel like this, again, this little spinoff is just that. It's a little spinoff, but it is commenting on the whole mentality of Jump. And I think that this mentality of Jump is doomed for decline if they don't start getting some of those major hits. Because ever since the 80s, the golden age of Jump, they've had this mentality of get big hits in there and that will sell the, the magazine. And they haven't quite stripped away that they still have that mentality and i think that's the problem is that they have this mentality but it's not matching the reality yeah that's a good point that may be the discord there maybe that's what i'm trying to say yeah yeah, that's a good point jump is still thinking in terms of like in the way a lot of fans are still thinking there needs to be a big street there needs to be like really big hits and then a bunch of like smaller hits instead of and like with the cl- way that we consume anime and manga now i think it's more important for them just to get all their series up to a level where there's stable hits to have a stable audience that is sticking with the series that is not declining as the series goes on and all of those series like support the weight of the brand yeah that might just be it i mean but at the end i mean just to kind of round off i don't want again sound like i'm trying to say that shonen jump as a property is in trouble i'm not trying to say that at all i'm just saying i don't see this sort of mentality of oh we'll just throw a spin-off we'll just start throwing stuff in the side magazine as being supportive to the main brand i feel like those properties and this is going to be overly harsh, and I understand it's overly harsh, have failed, because that's simply not true. But I mean, they, they need they could, there's a lot of stuff they could do, which I don't know why they don't do, because I don't know the exact legality of it. I mean, shit, they could bring JoJo back in if they wanted to, but I mean, there's other problems with that. But anyway, my, my point is, I feel like the answer to all this is we need going a guy to write for Shonen Jump again. But that's the answer for every problem. But anyway. I mean, that would be that would be interesting. Him make like 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 what kind of series would you like 
to see him make something on the lines of just yes uh, i don't care i mean he could be like oh i'm just gonna redraw three chapters of cutie honey now that i have you know a brand new art style after being alive for a hundred million years you know like it, it could be a new mech it could be a, a devil man spinoff i mean actually that would be great i would love a devil man spinoff where it takes place in the world of devil man and it takes place within that you know couple of years or whatever and it could be a lot like uh Castor and sins the anime was uh, that that would be great. Um, I would love a new Mac. That would be great. Um, I would love a Cutie Honey revival. That would be fun. Yeah. I mean, Cutie Honey revival would probably sell just fine. Turn Cutie Honey into a harem. What if there was a Cutie Honey? I mean, what if Cutie I Honey don't know was if a I reverse want that harem? Necessarily. Was a reverse harem. Oh, reverse harem. Okay, maybe maybe I'd be into that. Actually, Dude, you know that would do well. And I don't know if Gona Guy could draw hot guys though. But I mean, what if Gonagai was the writer and you got someone like Takashi Obata doing, um, you know, drawing all these hot guys and cutie honey? Oh honeys. my god! <laughs> That'd be like freaking Urasawa's Pluto. Holy hell! I think I just got a boner. <laughs> wow! <laughs> yes. Oh my god! Oh, um, I'm sorry, Colton. No, it's it's fine. <laughs> it just that was pretty good. Wow. Um. So, um, we've been talking a lot about the state of, uh, of manga and certain anthologies, and I think maybe we can use that as a, as a transition into our next news story, Sid. Uh, yeah. So, we just spent a lot of time talking about Jump, but let's talk about, uh, one of its competitors now, uh, Weekly Shonen Sunday. Uh, it, there's been an initiative for a while now. Uh, for, to, like, revitalize the weekly Shonen Sunday brand. Cause, you know, they've been kind of floundering in recent years. We, we should point out that Weekly Shonen Sunday runs stuff like Detective Conan, uh, Magi, and, uh, Rene, just to name a few. Yeah. And, uh, basically, you know, they're, they, I mean, they have, they still have some big stuff, Detective Conan and Magi, but, you know, generally their stuff is not quite as well known as stuff like, say, in Jump or the bigger stuff. Oh, Seven Deadly Sins is in there, too. No, that's, uh, that's Weekly Shonen Magazine. Oh, yes, it is. Okay, my bad. It's, yep. it's okay. I get those confused all the time, too. Well, it's honestly. because it's not Jump. There are two other not Jump magazines I'm confused, <laughs> which. <laughs> exactly. Like, re- real, real talk. Yeah. And that's part of the problem is that no, is that the Sunday and magazine brands both are no one, no one can really like identify them quite as well as Jump. They're not quite as like they don't quite have as defined an identity as Jump does. And that's I think part of the initiative here to to like kind of uh, revitalize Shonen Sunday and like kind of get it up to date with the times and and like make it better compete with like jump and the other manga magazines out there. And so a big uh, step towards that is that now both weekly Shonen Sunday and monthly Shonen Sunday are now being offered in electronic editions. And this is something that jump has been doing for a while, but now Sunday has finally caught up with the times here. And so digital versions of its magazine will start with the 33rd issue which I believe will be out uh, by the time this episode comes out and will be available like the same day that the print uh, version of the magazine issues come out. So this is a good like step towards like 
you're better competing with jump and kind of another just step forward in like kind of changing how Shonen Sunday presents itself and like getting it out there to new readers and attracting more audiences because digital manga is like being consumed more than ever these days. And it was about time that like Shogakukan took notice and had Sunday like match jump in that regard. Smartphones are more prevalent. That's probably why. Yeah, they've been uh they've been doing a lot of stuff like this. Like I think they um they they were also doing a thing where they were kind of like focusing on like trying to get new talent and some of their old talent back as well, I believe. Yeah, they they most notably they got uh Kazuhiro Fujita, the creator of Ushi and Tora, uh to start up a new manga. Uh I don't remember the name of that off the top of my head. But it looks very interesting, and of course, I'm a big fan of Ushi and Tora, so I'm really interested in like seeing that get translated at some point. But yeah, basically, they're getting back in some old blood to do new series. They're also trying to attract new blood to create series. They're really trying to change the flavor of Shonen Sunday and really create a more defined identity for themselves now. God, could you imagine when Detective Conan ends? Well, I think kind of like how One Piece and Kosha Kamiya, that's just something that people expect out of Sunday. So, yeah. I mean, it's going to be a huge loss when Detective Conan ends, which is why I'm sure that Sunday has been begging Aoyama to like keep it going just a little while longer, like every year for the last 25 years. Yeah, so, yeah Conan will be around for another 20 years easy, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh but, you know, they do need more big hits, because aside from Detective Conan, um, really the only thing you can really say is really big is Magi, and Magi is in its final arc, and that's going to be ending in, like, a year or something. And also, if it weren't on, I believe it's still on hiatus at this point, maybe, um, I know Silver Spoon, I think, oh, does Silver put- Spoon, Silver Spoon sells really well, but that's yeah. also ending soon. And that's also, that also has a weird run in Sunday itself because it comes in and out because Arakawa keeps taking hiatuses. So it's on an irregular schedule. Because, because she also, so, she also does other stuff too. I think she's still doing the manga adaptation of, um, the Legend of Arslan novels. She is. But I mean, uh, the, the thing with Silver Spoon is because Arakawa is publishing chapters so, um, infrequently now, it's, the, I mean, the sales are not really keeping up because there just aren't new that many new volumes like being released like yeah. a couple of years ago silver spoon was in the top 10 of yep. the year end like top selling manga in japan list and and uh last year you know because only one new volume was released it wasn't in the top 30 at all so mm. i mean they can't silver spoon is also ending too so they can't really rely on silver spoon yeah. anymore so like magi and silver spoon are ending they need something like they need to get a new big hit and so that's why they're trying to attract old and new talent to help them find those big hits yeah to, and also trying to find more create more of an identity for themselves like jump you know has people know the jump brand they know kind of know what to expect from a shonen jump series you can't really say that for shonen sunday at least not right now not since not since the days of when takahashi and mitsuru adashi kind of dominated and defined that identity for them i can tell you why arakawa keeps taking hiatus but what why is that josh please enlighten us because she's seeing Yoshihiro Togashi on the side. Oh no, watch out. <laughs> what, Togashi is cheating on Naoko Takeuchi? I don't know why he would never do that, but I th- I just, you know, it, 
just you know it works man so so are you are you saying there's like a, just a club of all these different manga artists who like take yeah. frequent hiatuses and they're just like man we could we could be drawing manga right now you know what i feel they're all hanging out at, with each other it's like just one of their houses playing dragon quest all day or idol master that's true but they're all sitting laughing at uh naoki urasawa you know they're all sitting there watching mon ben just laughing at him <laughs> And they're, and they're and they're like, ha! You have to keep to a normal schedule. What a loon! I can totally imagine like Urasawa showing up at like Tagashi's like studio, saying, "Where's the paper?" And he'd be like, "And, and Tagashi's like, what's paper?" <laughs> <laughs> that would be. Oh my god, Urasawa needs to do an episode on Tagashi. This is my back massager. This is my bed. That's the only two things I own. I don't even own a house. <laughs> oh boy um so speaking of longer running series um earlier so uh guys you ready to talk about one piece sure yeah yeah get a load of this so uh it looks like in the second issue of uh basically the one piece newspaper it's it's basically a promotional thing they're doing for um w- with the release of film gold i think actually by the, by the time this recording comes out, it'll have already premiered in Japan. But uh, I think I believe they did this for the last movie too. Um, they 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 do this kind of thing every once in a while. They they publish they, Japan publishes their own newspaper just based on uh, One Piece. That's that's kind of cool. I wish we had that kind of thing over here. Uh, you know, the only thing, the only kind of like the closest thing we've had to that over here would be. Um, do either of you two remember the um, the giant spread that Oda drew for uh, the New York Times? Yes, I I actually own that. It's uh, it's in my closet right now. I should probably frame that. Oh, a little better. nice. I don't remember this. Hold on a second. I'm googling it. Keep talking. Okay. So while Josh looks that up, uh, so uh, basically there was an interview with Oda in the second issue of this particular publication, and uh, basically in the interview, Oda stated that uh, he has finished around sixty five percent of One Piece, which uh, basically, if you don't know, like. This is basically the equivalent of, like, whenever, like, uh, Miyazaki is like, hey, guys, I'm retiring. I'm not going to do any more movies after this one, except for this one that I'm doing right now. (laughs) Yeah, it is exactly like that. Like, four years ago, he said that he was 60% done. So, what, he's only completed, like, five more percent of the manga in four years? And, and around the time of Alabasta, I think he also released a statement that uh, where he was like, oh, hey, guys, One Piece is halfway done. I thought it was around the red line. He's like, oh, they crossed red line. Now they're halfway done. It's something like that, I think. Yeah, I mean, Oda's original plan for the series was for it to last, like, five years, but that got... Got the squash pretty early on. And I think at that point, he had the story planned up to, like, Thriller Bark or something. Or at the very Maybe. least, like, he had, he had planned everything he in between. elements of it, I'm sure. I, I think... I think from what I what I have heard, I I wish I could cite my sources a little better. I, I thought I heard somewhere that, like, in, like, he pretty much had everything in between uh, the beginning and Thriller Bark planned to only last, like, five years. Well, I mean, I guess... You know, time slipped away from him, and that lasted. I guess 10, so. Yeah, it took him ten years to get up to Triller Bark. So, so of five. basically, whatever Oda says, you just you just got to multiply that by two. <laughs> got to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but uh, I mean, if you consider it by like 
volumes in terms of like how many volumes of one piece have been released then if you if you think of it that way that means that one piece would probably end around like volume 100 or 20 or so probably so like to take to last up to then it would probably take about 10 more years which sort of feels about right i can see like both halves of One Piece being around 600 chapters each, ultimately, being around the same length. Yeah. Well, you see, I actually have inside information on how One Piece is actually going to last forever. Would you like to hear? Oh, yeah. Please sure. do, Please tell. Please do tell. So what happens is Luffy is actually going to get uh, a similar power that Blackbeard has, where he uh, can consume uh-huh. two gum gum fruit. Uh-huh. Or not gum gum, sorry. Uh, two devil fruit, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's going to eat a, a devil fruit, but it's actually going to revert him into a child while he still has his adult mind. And he's going to go around solving crimes, looking for <laughs> uh, jewel elements of the Shikon jewel. Uh-huh. <gasps> and as you can imagine, this will take quite some time. But in, this, in the meantime, while all this is going on, he's going to be a, a, a policeman that you know <laughs> is kind of incompetent that sits just around the corner. So... One Piece is is going to last forever, and uh, Oda is going to be placed in cryogenic suspension and woken up once every 100 years, rotated with Akira Toriyama and Gonagai um, for the manga reigning kingdom. So this is the truth that the globalist Shonen Jump people don't want you to know. So, so are, wait, so wait, Josh, are you telling me that all those times Oda's like, hey, I got a, I got an ending, guys, totally. That That's a lie, right? That that's right, and I'm risking my life just telling you this, uh, you know. But for the sake of the the listeners of Manga Mavericks, I think, um, you know, it would be the American way to tell the people this. So I'm going to flee to Russia, then Venezuela, but then get stuck in Russia reading manga the rest of my. Yeah. Be careful, Josh. Those Shonen Jump editors are persistent. They're blood hungry, and they will not stop until they hunt you down. Yeah, like rip could- your hands apart, and then they'll keep making you draw and draw and draw until. You work yourself to death. Togashi was the only one that got out there scot free. <laughs> That's because Togashi knows too much, but they keep him barely alive as a means of torture. That's probably close to the truth. Like, 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 mm. like J- Josh, do, do you know how much money Shueisha makes? Uh, th- th- they could do anything to you. They can find you anywhere. This is true. So there's rumor that they might even build a wall around Japan to keep those gaijin out. Probably, uh, yeah. So we may never see another manga ever again. But no, for 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 reality, for realsies, um, Real that's talk. how one. Yeah, that's how One Piece is actually going to go on. So, um, man, I'm really yeah. glad we had Josh on for this episode. I never, I we we never would have had this insider information. Yeah, I was going to break the story on Wave Motion Cannon, but you know, I didn't want to risk my my fellow readers, uh, my fellow writers' lives. So, so so you're so you're so you're going to risk yeah, the lives, brave man, Josh. So 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 wait, a true so, soldier. No 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 no. no I like where Sid's going. Don't don't complete that sentence, Colton. Uh, No, I was going to say, so instead of risking the lives of your writers and your audience, you're going to risk the lives of of our writers and audience, right? Is that how this works? I actually have to catch a plane to Russia right now before I get snowed in, so. Yeah, the longer he stays talking, the longer he's at risk, Colton. That's right. Who knows, they might be knocking at his door right now. Oh my god, did you hear that? (laughs) Oh my god! Josh! Colton, run! They're coming for you! Oh, oh shit. They're scratching at your door with ink pens. Oh no. G pens. G pens always hit the spot. Oh no. 
They brought Togashi's catatonic body, and they're using it to ram down the door. Well, well, well Sid, while, while you um, while you stay safe from the uh, Shueisha editors, um, but no, real talk. I I feel like um, I don't know how to transition from that. I I feel like I feel like in One Piece's case nowadays, um, I I feel like there's a precedent for Oda giving this statistic seeing as how not not a ton but like i i think the end game is in sight you know for once at this no, point because look at how they're treating dragon ball they're mm. gonna bring dragon ball back or they have i mean it's it's on tv you have toyotaro doing the super manga like that's exact i mean this is the current trend of of manga and they're starting to do this and i feel like to be 100 percent honest with you it kind of treads a little bit on the original creativity of the well, the creators themselves, the mangaka themselves, because now it's Akira Toriyama is just the man who created the property and we worship the property more than the man himself, which I'm not trying to say that, oh, we should worship these people, but except we kind of should. I mean, they created childhoods. They created adulthoods, for crying out loud. I mean, people at Konzenshu are still ciphering through interviews that Toriyama did years ago, you know, and, and the same thing is going to happen with Oda. It's, it's actually already happening with Oda. I mean, look at the One Piece podcast. So these things have become so monumental, and they are literally a license to print money. You have to remember that we're competing with video games and anime and all this other stuff that's much, much easier to to access. They're not going to let Dragon Ball One Piece go. Never. Never. So as soon as Oda ends One Piece, it will be one year until we start getting One Piece TV special. Like, look, look at Lupin. Like, this has been prevalent forever. Forever. But, I mean, Lupin feels different because it's like, yeah, well, we're trying to bring it. I mean, they're trying to bring these old, very, very, very long properties running uh, back into the limelight and start saving uh, as much money as they can for the eventual... Uh, day when you know the machines rise they have to you know take take down the terminator no but in all seriousness like i don't know if this dovetails into the previous conversation that we had of maybe some some economic upheaval occurring sometime soon when all these series end but you know you know who, who knows who knows um so you know what we, we we've been we've been kind of talking about a lot of uh doom and gloom with uh jump it seems it seems like this episode kind of has a uh, has a theme <laughs> Yes, it's because Josh is here. I'm sorry. Yeah, Josh, why do you have to ruin everything? I okay. swear that wave motion cannon's not nearly so ang- well. Were you going to say angsty? Oh, it's definitely not angsty. No, no, no. But angry, I mean, sometimes it can get angry. It depends. It's not angry in the angry way, though. No, no, no. Not angry, Josh. Passionate. That's true. Passionate's probably better. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's, the, that, that's a better way to describe it. Well, let's be honest. I take anime way too seriously. Don't we all? I wish not, we all not did. as much as Josh. That's a fair point. Like Josh, you have that in your Twitter bio. I do. No, I put it there for I a reason. Mean, I mean that sincerely. I know that's why it's a backhanded compliment. <laughs> yeah, Frieza. What are you? What are you trying to do here? That's true. That's true. I do take anime too seriously. Anyway, I don't. I don't know what we're talking about anymore. So, so there, there might be some good news for Shonen Jump. Hopefully, Sid, can you uh, can you talk about this? I mean, we do have a little bit of. Uh, some, I, I don't know, it depends on your feeling of the series, but some unfortunate news is that, uh, the Shoki manga Mononofu that debuted in Jump last fall will be ending in, uh, Monday's issue, which will have already come out by the time this episode's released, but it's ended. But 
with it ending and with Bleach and Nizakoi heading towards their conclusions, Jump is preparing to fill their places by debuting three new series in the next couple of weeks. In issue 35, we'll see the debut of a series called Yaku Soku Neverland, which will be done by a team of mangaka po- Pozuka Demizu as the artist and Kaiyu Shiroi doing the story. And if you can look at some of uh, Pozuka Demizu's arc, art online, it's very like beautiful, detailed, like... There's definitely like a dark, creepy vibe to a lot of it too, but it's really interesting. So, are, are you, just on are, the are grounds you, of, sorry, sorry, are you finding a lot of this on Pivix? I'm assuming. Well, actually, if you look up Demizu Posica on Twitter, you know, I don't know if it's a he or she, but the the art this artist is posting a lot of uh, their art on their Twitter account. Okay. And they seem to do so pretty regularly. So I definitely would recommend following their Twitter account because they seem to put out some really amazing artwork. Maybe maybe put it in the show notes. Oh, I, I will. And just on the grounds of like uh, this artist's artwork alone, I'm pretty excited to see what the series, you know, will turn out to be. I think just by, you know, the title, you know, with the mention of Neverland, it's going to be like a fantasy kind of series. And... That that's it seems pretty intriguing, especially it's a dark kind of fantasy series in Jump. Maybe so, maybe maybe it'll be a dark shonen take on Peter Pan. <laughs> maybe that'd be interesting. So I'm I'm definitely really interested, and this is probably the one of the three actually yeah series as, as, out. as facetious I was as I was trying to sound. Actually, I I would actually read that. Yeah, I think I would prefer Pinocchio, a dark take on Pinocchio. Pinocchio's already pretty dark. Well, I'm saying like. Imagine if Pinocchio wanted to kill himself, but he couldn't because he's not actually a real boy. Oh, my God. That made me sad. <laughs> I don't think that should be a shonen series. I know. That's dark shit right there. Maybe that's Gona Guy's comeback. P- oh P- Pinocchio? But no, it'd be... Um... Oh, no, wait. I'm, I'm sorry. Pinocchio Z. Nah, 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 nah. Sorry. I know. Too easy. I feel like Gona Guy would make that a comedy, though. Probably. Instead of playing it straight. Kuro Shinai Pico-kun, I don't know. <laughs> um, Hana-kun. It'd be Hana-kun for nose. There we go. Uh, but what, what what about these other two series that are coming up, Sid? Right. So the next one that will come out in issue 38 is called Love Rush by Rohei Yamamoto, who uh, maybe infamously is known for a little known series called E-Robot. Which, oh, uh, yes. You know, if you remember reading that during its Jumpstart run, uh, and it, it was a memorable series, uh, that's for sure. Maybe memorable for all the wrong reasons, but uh, it definitely left an impression. It was very delightfully smutty, I will give it that. So I read through a scan of the one shot on like the of- official Shonen Jump website, because they have like the one shot for this up on their website. Like the Japanese Shonen Jump website, so I, I skims through the scan, uh, through uh, I skims through the one shot of it, and it seems like maybe not it's as blatantly in your face fan service as a robot, but it's definitely kind of a fan service like harem love comedy series. So I'm not to- super excited for this, but I mean there might be a. I don't know if there's a place for it because you already have Yuna of Yuragi Manor and that's already filling that same kind of niche. Yeah. So I don't know. 
I don't think we'll get this as a jump start in the probably not English no. jump just because of the nature of the series and how um unsuccessful Erobot was, but uh yep. Yeah, so, and then the final one, debuting in issue 39, is Red Sprite by Tomohiro Yagi, whose previous series was Iron Knight, which was a short-lived series that ran, I believe, in 2013 for about three months or so. But the most memorable, I only, I didn't read too much of that way back in the day, but I I did think the art style, at the very least, was pretty uh, distinct. So I think that the uh, mangaka's, does have some potential so i would be interested in uh seeing like his second work and what he comes up with this time i think that this one will probably be run as a jump start you know i will see sorry i i'm looking at the um i'm looking at some of uh demizu's art and yeah i i want to read a manga drawn by this person yeah right i mean that this is uh, by far Yakus Yakusoku Neverland is the new series that I'm most looking forward to. Like I'm, I'm actually excited about this series. I mean, the other series, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not really sure about, but yeah. this, but, but just on the grounds of the artist alone and how interesting and how detailed his or her artwork is. Like, I, I think there's a lot of potential. Oh yes. To be, and so that that's why I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, so um I think that's about it for all the news. Um I guess uh pretty much we, we could we could kind of briefly talk about some of the stuff we've been uh, reading if it if we've I I mean I I, I kind of had something I wanted to talk about, but uh, uh well here uh Josh here. We'll we'll start with you. Have you been reading anything lately? I've been reading the same damn graphic novel for like 3 months and I can't seem to get through it because uh <laughs> All this and so I'm primarily an anime consumer. Um, I I love manga. I've read probably more manga than most people I know. Probably than uh, that. See, that sounded obvious, uh, uh, very arrogant. Let me take that I've back. I've read most manga. I've read <laughs> more manga than both of you combined. No, um, to to be honest, I feel like Sid has probably read more than the both of us. <laughs> oh no, no, no! And that's I've read why, Book of Human Insects. Exactly. Yeah. So I've I've retracted. Yeah, I want to retract that statement because one. Uh, this is a manga podcast, so to say that is is superfluous, uh, stupid comment to make. So I, I apologize for that. Oh, that's okay. But uh, I, I guess my point that I'm trying to make is just skip to the point. Is that I do have a fair share of manga that I've read, so I don't want to sound like a, an anime only person when I come back and say, "Yeah, I'm stuck on uh, Tezuka's Human Insects." Um, great, great work. Every time I want to write about it, though, I start and then. I kind of get lost in the paneling and the whole wonderful... I really want to write something of like how to properly read a manga. I would read that. That sounds really interesting. Well, I feel like we've talked about Jump a lot, and it's very commercial, and we read it commercially. And we need to read manga differently in order to find the good manga to support. And I think we're starting to learn how to do that since we are in a renaissance of this fandom. Yes. At least mm-hmm. here in America. But... um yeah, so I've been like stuck reading Tezuka's Book of Human Insects for a very long time, just simply because, you know, between having to choose between anime and manga, you know, anime is a little bit more rewarding for me, to be 100% honest, but manga is a much more historical and intrinsic value when it comes to the fact that it's Tezuka, so. Yeah, mm. I know what you mean. I've been, um, 
I I, ha- I have those periods of, t- of of time where I definitely watch way more anime than I read manga, which is unfortunate because I host a manga podcast. But uh, here, Sid, before before I get into what I read, um, have have you been reading anything lately? Mainly, I've been rereading Nisekoi and Bleach so as to have completely read them beginning to end just in time for their for their ending so i can like write some retrospective pieces on them so with nizakoi i'm out up to like the marka's wedding arc that was actually a pretty decent arc that's probably my favorite part of nizakoi had some good fights yeah oh yeah so gumi versus honda was excellent and plus but, and plus yeah. personally i i, I marika's actually probably one of my favorite characters it's because you don't know that Chitoge is the all-powerful goddess. <laughs> uh, I I'm, I kind of might agree with Colton, but whoa, you know, whoa, interesting whoa, whoa, enough. Wait, 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 wait! wait. No, I no. Love, Chitoge's great too, but then I where's think the that... Onodera? Fa- we need like the Trinity. I like Onodera. You can't like both. I guess I can. <laughs> no, you can't. That's this is Nisekoi rules. You can like more than one, but which one is your waifu? Um. Okay. If we're going that route, I I w- I really would have to pick Onodera, honestly. Okay. 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 And Sid, you would stick with? I'd stick with Marika because I just found her. I find the way that Komi developed her throughout the story very interesting because there were a lot of just subtle kind of moments that hinted like at her past when I was reading the series that I didn't pay attention to first time reading it but like feels very rewarding when I go back and revisit those moments and just see how Mark as a character had been betrayed and how like her story had been developed through the course of the series up until like that big climax with the her with the Marcus wedding arc. So I just found find her like development very interesting and her portrayal as a character very interesting. I I will give you the fact that if you chose her for waifu, that at least she would die and then you could choose. You know, she'd die from like <laughs> I don't know, anime illness. Yeah. And then you could choose a better waifu after learning your mistakes. <laughs> preferably Chitoge, I mean, come no, on, guys. No, not preferably. Only option is Chitoge. Chitoge is the best girl. You're just saying that because she's blonde. No, not because she's blonde at all. In fact, I prefer green hair, i.e. like C2 from Code Geass, you know, or even that girl from uh, Lasner and um, I forget her name from Megazone 2-3. But anyway, green hair, that, that does it for me. But um, nah, man, I'm telling you, freaking Chitoge is the best. So, so does Chitoge that so does that also mean that um, that season zero Kaiba from Yu-Gi-Oh is also your waifu? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh shit! Um, you know, I haven't really, I haven't really thought that out. It's kind of you're kind of springing this on me all of a sudden. And, and hey, I he's a, he's rich. You know, it is easier to fall in love with a rich person it than is. a poor person. It is easier. It is. I didn't say it was right, but it is easier. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, but uh, Sid, did you have anything else you wanted to say? Well, I've also been rereading Bleach. I haven't really gotten too far. I'm on volume two, but wow, you know, <laughs> uh, I've hated Bleach. I've really, I've, I haven't enjoyed Bleach in so long. I forgot that there was a point I did actually enjoy Bleach. Oh boy! And rereading the earlier volumes. I'm kind of astonished at how completely different a series it is at the beginning. Cause it's actually, there's actually, it actually feels fun to read. Mm-hmm. It actually, there's actually humor. There's actually, the characters actually have more than one emotion just in being angsty and talking weird, indirect, nonsensical ways. 
and like having these shock dramatic faces or whatever. Like it's a lot more playful. It has a lot more fun with its concept. The characters have more personality, have better interactions with each other. Like I'm not saying it's great. It's like amazing. Like it's pretty, you know, Typical standard kind of shonen fare. I mean, that's kind of dismissive, but I mean, it isn't like necessarily, it wasn't necessarily, it was never really groundbreaking in any but respect. It, but it, it but was fine. It, it feels, it's pleasant, it's enjoyable to read. I, I enjoy reading it. I actually enjoy, re- I enjoy, I like, I, I real, I like reading Ichigo, who I don't care about at all. I don't think I've cared about at all in the last, maybe 10 years, I actually enjoy, I actually find myself enjoying Ichigo rereading Earlier Beach. I enjoy Rukia. I enjoy freaking Chad, who is the most useless character in the series. Um, I, I, but he's hey, so Ch- in- Chad is my guy, all right? But he does nothing in the in the higher series. He keeps getting forgotten. So what? I lo- We love Yamcha and he does nothing. Yeah, but Yamcha used both hands. <laughs> Chad is like, he gets lost in his manga and he's like, ¿En dónde estoy? Estoy buscando por mi Mexican manga, pero no puedo encontrarlo. And it's just but like... Yamcha, yeah, also, Yamcha's so memorable because he's such a consistent failure. Like, he doesn't ever... No, think about it. When does Yamcha actually ever win a fight that matters on his own? He... Well, I was gonna say against the... How many craters did Chad fall into? <laughs> well... I was actually gonna say he he did win his fight against the invisible guy during no, that one. No, he wouldn't have, but he wouldn't have won that without Krillin like bringing Master Roshi and Bulma. I know. I was gonna say that Bulma's if you let me finish, and Sid. Those, and Mas- <laughs> like, didn't he win Yamcha- a fight in Dragon Ball Evolution? We don't talk about Dragon Ball Evolution, Josh. That's not canon. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Well, what are you talking about, Josh? Yeah. Like, I, what sorry. is this Dragon Ball Evolution? Live action Dragon Ball. Pfft, no one would make that. That would never work. Nope, Come never. on. No one would be stupid enough to it, make especially that. Especially not the Chinese. Especially not the Chinese. Like, Dragon Ball being popular in China. As in. No. It's not like it's Chinese influence. No, never. So, but back to Bleach, like, I'm curious, like, at what point do you guys think, okay, I'm going to use this terminology, it got bad? Like, when do you think Bleach gets bad? Around the time they went to Hueco Mundo. Just remembering from my experience, getting into Bleach for the first time, reading the story, I actually got into Bleach pretty late, all things considered. I got into it in like 2010. Now, back in 2010, I wasn't like involved in the anime community. Like I didn't go online and look at like what people were talking about. I just found things occasionally that looked interesting to me and I would get into it and watch it, read it, whatever. So I didn't know that at that point, Bleach, uh, everyone was already saying, oh, Bleach sucks now. Oh, like, Bleach has been bad for a long time. So I didn't know all that going into it when I first started it. So I just started it out. And so for a long time, you know, Bleach is a pretty fast read, fast watch. Well, I mean, in the anime, it's a fast watch until the filler. And that's when you, we stop. Don't bother with the bound art and just skip to the other canon parts or just skip to the manga. But like, so Bleach is a fast read when you're reading in graphic novels because chapters flow by fast, volumes flow by fast. You get through it quickly. So when you're reading it just in a binge, like some of the problems with Bleach's pacing aren't necessarily that noticeable when you first start out of it. But then like once you get into Heisei Mundo and you start seeing like just the story, things of the story just not 
add up. Like you see a bunch of fights that go really have served no purpose other than just to be flashy, cool fights to have with, with characters who may or may not actually directly impact the story. And then you have like ideas that are brought up and never addressed again. And so you keep going with that. And then I, I, at some point, I feel the point where I got fed up with Bleach for sure. Like I had problems with it as I was keep reading it. But the point where I got fed up with it was when I finally caught up and had to keep up with it weekly during day aside and seeing all that awful like pointless and like disappointing like conclusion to the freaking years long story of like fighting against Aizen and these Arankars just be concluded in the most unsatisfying disappointing way on a week by week slow painfully slow like burnout so for me the point where I turned on off bleach was the point when was like day aside because that's when I started keeping up with it and I could notice just how painful this pacing was well, can I- when you had to read it week by week but if I were to go but if I were to speak from it like just from perspective and nail down the moment bleach uh bleach really started to fall apart i do i do agree it would be huesa mundo but more specifically i would put it at the point after ichigo and grim Zhao's fight because after that we get some of the most pointless padding in the terms of those fights between like the wise captains and like those random fractiones like who try to destroy the pillars or whatever and that all serves no purpose whatsoever it doesn't add up to anything and that goes on for about a year's worth of content without Ichigo our main character at all and that's the point where I think Bleach just completely falls apart because that's the point where it actually loses sight of its main character like for a long time for about a year it completely loses sight of its main character and completely squashes the momentum of its story by going into some completely pointless battles that just have no point, just only serve to stretch out the story. Okay. And so I would think that would be the point where I think Bleach falls apart now, as a story. Colton, you want to, cause I have a point to, to prove with both of those or a theory I have. I mean, I have a theory on everything, right? Take anime too seriously, but you were going to say something. Was it agreeing or, or, no, or disagreeing? I just, with- no, I, I just, I just want this recorded and I want this on record. That I actually around the time I stopped reading Bleach was around uh, around the end of the Fullbring arc. Um, that arc is probably single handedly the worst story arc, the most forced story arc in any manga I've ever read. It is so pointless. It sucks balls. I hate it. I. It, yeah. There is absolutely no point in the in having Ichigo lose his powers because because he gets them back. He gets them back. Like none of the the dynamics between the characters haven't changed. Nope. Like none of the new characters or the power or the Fullbring powers have any effect on the following story yep. arc. I mean, I guess technically, like no, Tsukishima it's, it's, filler. it's all filler in manga form. Yep. Yeah. I guess technically you can say, oh, but Tsukishima like ends up like giving Ichigo back his sword after Wak breaks it. But yeah, like, like that mattered because he, in literally the very next chapter, Wak broke the sword again. So <laughs> what good did that do? Like that one character who, who was introduced that arc that actually did something of use in the next arc ended up, you know, being completely useless after all. So it's complete filler. 
It's it's a it's a year complete filler. That's the uh, that's the pattern of Bleach. Ichigo fights a guy. He loses against the guy. He trains for like however long. Gets a new power. Fights the guy again. Wins with that new power. But then has to fight another guy only to for that power to not work. And then have to train to get another power. And then so on and so forth. So it's like Metroid. Yeah. The only thing I'll say about the Fullbring arc is that at least it was constantly focused on Ichigo. The, I, the house in your blood war is so painful because it, it doesn't have any focus character. Like, supposedly Ichigo is still our main character, but he appears so very little in the arc when you think about it. Most of the arc is spent on the, on like battles between the captains and the Quincy's and not, all of those fights end up really having necessary, are really necessary or have even a decent payoff. And like, it's all just so dragged out. And it's so, and it's just so, there's just nothing really like driving the arc. Like, when you think about it, like the obvious, like, em- like emotional hook, the obvious, like, relationship that should have carried that arc would be Ichigo and Uryu because it's the, the arc is the Soul Reapers versus the Quincy's. Ichigo and Uryu are like they became close friends, rivals, whatever, and one is a soul reaper, one is a Quincy. Like they could have had an interesting dynamic there, but what did they do? Are you Ichigo is barely in the arc, and are you uh, supposedly turns coat and becomes an antagonist? Except it, it turns out, no, he's not. He was he was uh, still on everyone the good guy side all along. Oh man, what good but writing Uryu does! But hey, Uryu hey, does hey, not. Hey, but Snape. Uryu also does. <laughs> Yeah, but the difference is, Uryu does nothing in the arc as a supposedly an antagonist, other than one exchange with Ichigo. He does, he he's barely in the arc just as much as Ichigo is barely in the arc. Okay, so, so it's like completely so, uh, well, well, here, pointless. Hold on, I'm sorry, Sid, but um, here, Josh, you said you had a theory. I do. I have a theory to all this, and I'm not trying to discount anything. I think a lot of what you guys are saying is completely true. I still enjoy Bleach, but I cannot point to it and say, oh, this is fine art here, right? Yeah, this is this is the Tezuka of our time, right, Josh? <laughs> yes, oh God, yes, no. clearly it is. No, um, I would have to say, and this was brought to my attention when I read a certain article by a certain person who will remain uh, uh, anonymous because of uh, the sake of not throwing shit. Um, yeah. But I guess my point is, I read an article... And it came to my attention that around the same time, because you both mentioned, you both pinpoint, everyone pinpoints kind of the same centralized location. It's like the Vizard, uh, Hueco Mundo dichotomy there, that, that, that kind of lull where it's like, okay, this is still good. This is still interesting. Um, it, and it starts getting a little bit lost. Um, if you look at that time, supposedly, and if I remember correctly, I don't have like a single source I can cite, which is the problem. But um, Bleach underwent a editor change. Mm, interesting. And if I remember mm. correctly, I think the editor for Bleach went and moved to Gintama. And it was right around that 2009 mm. era. Now, I could be completely wrong. Someone will have to fact check me and go back and, and look at that. But my theory is somehow that the editor was either holding Bleach together before, because if you remember, and I asked I asked you guys uh, who, you know, your main Gintama fans, Colton and co., um, you know, hey, what? How was Gintama around 2009 going forward? Around that same time era, remember? Remember when I asked you that, and you guys were like, "Oh yeah, well, it started getting serious and blah 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 blah, or something, right?" It started. Oh, you're talking about. Started, did, did, we had this conversation off mic, didn't we? 
We did. Yes, we did, because I was upset with that article. Okay. And I was like, no one did any research. They all blamed it on, on Kubo. And Kubo could still be to blame. But my point is, editors play a huge role. I mean, editors shaped Dragon Ball, shaped Akira... That's true. Like, the the fact... The cell... The Android arc is such a mess, because, like, Toriyama... Toriyama's, like got uh, editors like he he had input from like his furious em- editor and his like current editor and those like sh- kind of shaped like how he wrote the story like one one editor didn't like the direction he was going the other editor didn't like the direction he was going so he kept having to change the antagonist and so that's why the arc just changed like has such weird pacing as it goes along and then his third editor like in the boo arc like he just let Toriyama do whatever the heck he wanted which is why the boo arc kind of drags a little bit but it's also why it's full of these like weird ideas and it also kind of just changes focus like every now and again and it mixes like comedy but then it goes back to kind of being like later or like sells like era serious but then back into light comedy like Uh it's full of toriyama ideas but it's not focused weird tonal shifts yeah so the boo arc so the lax like leadership of toriyama's editor during the boo arc led to it being unfocused and the conflicting like input he got from like his previous editor and his current editor during the cell arc resulted in him switching focus like pretty frequently throughout the course of that arc yeah so definitely those stories would have not been the same if like he, he had like an editor who really kept him focused on the direction of the story and like let him do what he wanted to do to some extent but didn't let him go completely off the walls with his ideas or like get lost in his ideas like he kind of did in the boo arc well I guess getting back to Bleach, that's kind of my point, is we saw, and Toriyama is a brilliant, well-documented case, thanks to, you know, other other sources and, you know, Kanzenshu included, we, we can see exactly what went on there. And I feel like we don't have a lot of transparency, we don't have a lot of exposure when it comes to something like Bleach, because quite literally, it's a underappreciated series. And I'm not saying that like, oh, Bleach is this masterpiece. No, no, it's just, it's a good series that suffered from either bad editors a bad editor either in the fact of, okay, a new editor came in and was horrible, or the new editor came in and did not rein Kubo in. Because Kubo can do good stuff, but the, the question is, look at Zombie Powder, which you can herald as kind of being one of his better works, you know, and we all like the first half. I have not met anyone who says, oh yeah, the first half of Bleach sucks. Like, it's always the opposite. They always say- I know f- one person, but that person also hates- a lot more shonen stuff in general. So. Well, yeah. and in that case, it's just a, a matter of uh, of personal bias and taste, and and that's perfectly fine. But I guess my point is, Bleach suffers from editors, or Kubo. Either way, the, the point is, the editor change was when Bleach changed. And the thing is, I feel like, and I have no proof. I I have no proof because I can't track which editor was on which series at which time, which is a damn shame. I need someone who's listening to this to try and get in touch with me because this is a this is a story I would love to write. Um, but long story short, 
we need to find out who was placed where and what because we know who the editor was for Bleach beforehand. They changed, uh, you know, he changed hands over to um, Sorachi on Gintama, and just quite literally, Gintama was never the same. People said it improved, and then uh, you know, Bleach never got better. And I don't think Shonen Jump reinvested in Bleach to try and bring it back up to where it was. They said, ah, oh, yeah, you know, we might have, we might have, you know, shot ourselves in the foot on that one. So it's been in that state, and it's just not gotten better. It's gotten quite literally worse. And now we're in a zombie powder situation where quite literally it's going to be uh, resolved how Kubo wants to do it, and then he'll be forced to get back to work on uh, some other project. And you know, maybe we'll see that come 2017. I I, I don't know, but uh, yeah, that's that's my theory. Is it's an editor issue, and no one has the proof for someone to write that story. But I mean, the best I could do, I mean, even if I were to write that story is a couple paragraphs. I've literally explained it now. It's taken more time to just get to the point than the point itself. That's how weak of a point it is. So I want to throw it out there because I want people to be aware of it. But at the same time, I have no substantial backing evidence, which is the biggest flaw. So I think it's a good theory. I think that it'd be worth like trying to do some research into that and trying to like s- make a timeline to see like maybe where you can pinpoint where Bleach, the point where Bleach really started to lose focus and match it up with people's like general opinions of where Bleach like started, started to lose them as a fan. Because the interesting thing is I have all the statistics as far back as like two th- year 2000 uh, in terms of reader polls. Like you can get those online pretty easily. I can start seeing where Bleach dipped. I need to correlate the dipping of the score from Shonen Jump with one, the events in the manga where most readers say, okay, this is starting to get bad. So I can get the Japanese perspective, the American, you know, the, or the, the English reading perspective, and then even get in, and try and correlate that with the exchange of editors. And I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if it started declining right before the change of editors, because maybe the editor stops caring or starts saying like, ah, you know, I, I got to start focusing on this new project. You know, I got to catch up on 5 million chapters of Gintama before I swap over, you know, whatever the case may be. So I, I really strongly believe that is the case. It's an editor problem, and that's it. I mean, that, mm-hmm. is, that is very plausible, honestly. Yeah, because even when rereading like the earlier volumes, you can notice that there's some elements of Kubo's writing style that definitely were weaknesses, but they didn't become exacerbated until later on in the series. Like there are some like kind of issues in the way he kind of sets up the story and kind of establishes the villains, like the hollows and like how he tries to kind of do stuff with them. That sort of kind of confuses the idea of what they kind of are. And he kind of starts to want to, he, it's clear that he sort of find this premise like too, like kind of neatly and like too straightforwardly. So he tries, so he's trying to find ways to kind of ease out and like do like different things different things kind of redefine it and so he so he's in some respects he starts contradicting himself even earlier on and that really becomes a problem later when he when it seems like he's just retconning things just for the sake of writing a story the way he wants to yeah remember when the menos grande were powerful yeah but it wasn't as but it wasn't as pro it didn't feel as problematic at least in the earlier part of Bleach, just because the focus on the story and the focus on the characters uh just felt more consistent. But 
as the story went on, it lost sight of like who the main characters were, who the secondary cast was, what the like focus of the story is, what they're fighting for. It lost sight of that and just became a little bit more of a mess. And I definitely think it would be an interesting project to go and research like how that change of editors could have affected things, how that would how that correlated to like kind of uh it's falling falling rankings in the jump polls falling sales numbers like opinions of it changing around and i think that a problem with it is that maybe there isn't quite enough information like out there or maybe you need access to information that like require you to know Japanese like you need to read some some like news items in Japanese kind of to really get the full picture of like how things played out but you know it's a really interesting theory and I, I I think there's a lot of I think that there's a lot of evidence like in the way the manga plays out to like support it who yeah bleach that's a thing like I think you you guys said it best I don't I really didn't have anything to say about bleach other than hey like I haven't read bleach in like five years and you know like dropping bleach was the best decision I've ever made in my entire life because I really cannot stress enough just how Except much for dropping black clover I've, come on I I haven't well I've read like Josh I've read like a chapter of that I'm still willing to give that a chance D- difference with bleach is that I like I was I was gonna say um Damn it, you made me lose my train of thought. Black Clover does that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you know, Fulbrink sucks. Like, that. that's all I wanted to say is Fulbrink sucks. And I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. It's useless, pointless. God. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I don't have, I don't have very detailed thoughts on it like I wanted to, but man, I, I hate that arc so much. It's okay, it's a very primal rage, Colton, let it it's out. It's very primal, yeah. honestly. I want to stop talking about Bleach. Let's let's talk about something that I think the people should really, really know about. So, I have a bit of an antidote, and I promise I'll try to keep this short. But, um, so, I was at the mall the other day with my friends. You know, we were at the comic book store. I'm buying manga like usual. This is gonna, this is probably going to upset Josh by the time I'm done with this. But, um, Josh. Oh, oh God. I actually had the choice of buying this or Yu Yu Hakusho Volume 10 to, you know, try to finish my collection. Uh, that I'm halfway okay. into. So, so at first I like I wanted to buy Yu Yu Hakusho Volume Ten, but Ten is a good volume. But I completely forgot whether I already owned it or not because I'm uh. I, I buy a lot of it out of order because I'm silly like that. Um, so you know I I, I took I took a few minutes just to kind of like walk around the mall with my friends and think about. You know, like basically try because there are other I have other stores in the mall that, you know, also sell manga. And I wanted to see if I could find it somewhere else for a lower price because they were selling it for a less price. Um, I couldn't find I like no other manga retailer in my in my mall sells you Yuhakusho, unfortunately. And it's just oh, that right one. stuff. You can get it for mm. real cheap from right stuff. That's true. But yeah, but, but I, I wanted to buy some manga at the mall and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so, you know, I went back to V-Stock, and I was like, you know, I'm just gonna buy, I'm just gonna buy Yu Yu Hakusho. But then I found the thing that I ended up buying, World War Blue, which I had recently come across and was like, huh, I'll, because they have the anime for it on Crunchyroll, which is like an OVA series, like three episodes long. And I was thinking about watching it, but then I found the first volume of the manga sold by Seven Seas, and so basically... 
I was like, I should really try and finish my Yu Yu Hakusho collection, but then I thought, screw it, I'm gonna buy World War Blue, and you guys, you guys will realize why, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna read a little bit of the back of the book here. Okay, so you ready? Mm-hmm. So this, this is basically the premise of World War Blue. I'm reading it verbatim here. In the continent of Consume, an endless war rages between bitter rivals, the Segoa Kingdom, versus the Nintendo Empire. Segoa Kingdom, Nintendo Empire. Yeah, oh I, I, d- uh, Josh, could, do you th- like? I don't think that's a reference to anything at all, right? This is a manga based off a video game, which you bought instead of Yu Yu Hakusho. No, 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 no. Not not just based off a video game. Colton, based, I am disappointed. Ba- based off of the, 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 the retro gaming console wars. But you don't understand. Like, this has been done better in, like, Basilisk Wait, freaking... is that actually what Basilisk is, is about? Oh, no, not Basilisk. It's uh, Bastard. Sorry, Bastard. Is that actually what Bastard is about? I don't think... Bastard takes place in the land of Metallicana. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I need to get around to reading Bastard at some point, because it does sound like my cup of tea. But um, I'm sorry, Josh. Like, th- the premise sounded so stupid, I had to pick it up. I'm sorry. Is the main character your too slow, Coon? <laughs> actually, Yes. <laughs> No, are you kidding me? No, 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 hold on. They I they they have a they have a character bio in here for uh for the main character. His no, he is he's a Colton. blue he's a blue-haired boy named Gear. Oh my and god. And he practices running fast. <laughs> Got to go fast. And uh here, Why I'm, tr- I'm you, trying to I'm trying to find his character this, bio. Colton? Hold on. Hold on. How much did you pay for this? Um I think i paid 11 dollars for this oh my lord okay so um uh. i'm not even kidding when i read this so obviously is this what you wanted my live reaction to yes so oh, so Gear, gear's favorite food is chili dogs I, if that's a sonic reference i i don't get it um and uh this is this is literally his hobby collecting any object that looks like a ring no <laughs> oh, is, can he not swim can he not swim too? <laughs> no, he, he yeah, he cannot swim actually. He like he's oh my he spends God. he's like his whole like character arc in like his his struggle in the first chapter of World War Blue is literally him trying to run so fast that he could jump over the river in his uh, in his village. Uh, wow. Wow. There's a hot chick in here though, the one with the red hair. Who's she? Uh the one with the kind of like wings in her hair, right? Yeah. Yeah, she's um because I know Sega also had a video game with a, um, I forget what it's called, but like, it was basically, you controlled this airship named Opa Opa, and you, it was basically like a Japanese shooter, and that, that's the game she's based off of. Oh, okay. I'm not familiar with that. Okay. Is that a Tetris guy? Um, yeah, I, I believe one of them is. The guy with the- I'm looking at the knife, and he's got like a Tetris L-shaped yeah, block Yeah, I the actually, I watched the anime for this after I read the first volume, and that's when I noticed it, and I was like, oh yeah, I see, I see what his deal is. Yeah, he actually teaches Gear how to, um, how to fight better. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, dude, just the fact that this is like an original character- made manga it's funny because um because the story is written by somebody named anastasia shestakova and i'm pretty sure that's not a japanese name wait so you bought oel what what well no see this was published in japan is the weird thing and it got and it has an actual anime that you can watch on crunchyroll this is this is an abomination it's weird isn't it <laughs> it's not weird it's bad <laughs> 
I mean, like this is offensive. So who's the Mario character then? We got to have a Mario character. <gasps> oh yeah, the first drugs. volume is called. So the first volume is called Sonic the Brown Rat. That's you, literally what it's called. What, no, no, no. Now you're pulling my leg. Nah. No, the nah. first volume is called Sonic the Brown Rat. That's what it says. No, you're kidding me. Are you serious? I am not kidding you. I'm looking at the first chapter page, uh, title page of the manga, and chapter one is entitled The Supersonic Rodent, which is weird because he's human. But no, to, to answer your question, Josh, yes, the the Mario equivalent is in this, and his name is Marcus. And he... Oh and it's Lord. funny if you if you have the like, second volume is called Z Zone and the third volume is called Grease Heel. <laughs> Christ, are you kidding me? I am not kidding. This you. This is That's real. What, yeah, this is real. You you can buy this from why Seven Seas. Why is this real? What? Why do we have this? Like we have people who are dying from like incurable diseases, and someone chose to publish this. Like I, I wouldn't have been. This this feel I wouldn't have been surprised if this was like a web comic. This feels like a well, this feels like something someone would come up with for sure. But like that that this is like a published ongoing manga in Japan, and it got an anime adaption. Yep, it's kind of unreal to me. Um, I was gonna say it's funny. Like when I was when I was first reading this, we're introduced to the Mario character, aka Marcus, you know, the the king of nin- of the Nintendo Empire. And it's funny, like if you have no context for like what this is, like you know, what what the commentary is going on here, like out of context, like Marcus just has a pet dinosaur just at his side all the time, and it's really cool. But obviously, he's supposed to be like you know the Yoshi character. The pet dinosaur is called Yozu. Yes. Apparently. Yep. Okay. But no, so uh, I read this all, I, I think I read this in like under an hour. It was a pretty short read because like it's a lot of like, I don't know. It, it's a lot of like, there's a lot of two page spreads, a lot of like pages with just like text and all that kind of stuff. Like when I was reading this, um, I, I kind of came to the realization today before we recorded that if you didn't have the context for what this series was supposed to be commentating on, like, if, if you took that away from the series, it would be just an entirely, just another horribly bland shonen manga. The The, th- the thing that kind of surprises me about World War Blue is that, like, it go- it goes out of its way to be just completely straight. Like, they make no, like, tongue-in-cheek, like, Fourth wall breaking references, no nothing, just like it's all it's all basically just this bland shonen manga with like the, the, the retro video game commentary skin over it. That's such a waste. The only way to make this premise worse make this premise work would be to make no, it no, tongue. You said it right the first time. You said it right the first time. I'm sorry, what were you saying, Sid? No, I think that the only way that would make this premise kind of enjoyable was like if it was self-aware and it was like it wasn't playing its way. It was like more of a comedy. Yeah, unfortunately, it is not a comedy. It is straight shonen, like to a T, which is unfortunate. Wow. So, Colton, I don't want you to talk to me or Sid <laughs> ever again. Uh, but, but, uh, no, that's an extreme reaction. But no, like, yeah, that that sounds pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, Josh, you would hate this. <laughs> yeah, I would. I, and I know you knew and you wanted to get that in there. So, you know, hats off to you. But, wait, uh, wait, no, wait, Josh, we got to ask the important question, though. 
I don't think a lot of our audience would be aware of this, but uh, you you also are, have a big like hate boner for Buso Renkin. That's not even a true statement. Like <laughs> Buso Renkin, so like we just got done talking about the decline of Jump or the possible decline of Jump. You look at uh, the freaking career of uh, Watsky, like that is proof right there that Jump is in decline. Yeah, we, me and spent we, me and Sid actually spent a lot of time talking about Kenshin and Watsky on the last episode. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I, I, I. So let, let's let's put this into perspective. Hi, I've made Ruroni Kenshin. I make two other manga series that fail. I'm going to revive Kenshin. They can't even find a, someone else to revive Kenshin for me. <laughs> so it's like, okay, whatever. And then there's cool. th- there's that there's that secret new project from uh, from Watsky coming as well. Yeah, I wonder what that could be. Yahiko the manga. Actually, I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind that either. That would actually be nice, except he needs to remember how he used to draw. Mm. Yeah. But, 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 but uh, Josh, I was going to ask you, which do you think is the worst manga of all time? Buso Renkin or World War Blue? <laughs> that's, see, that's like such a dumb question because they're like other things that exist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, was, I was only saying that just to be an ass. Um, yeah, no, I mean, like, see, at least Buso Renkin had a freaking... Um, Ultraman reference in there. So, I mean, like, that was pretty damn cool. Like, I was really <sighs> tempted to pick up that volume just to read that moment for myself. And I was like, why? I just experienced that moment. Leave the magic, Josh. Leave it. Don't ruin things. Don't take it too seriously. Uh, is that the only good thing about Busarenkin, Josh? Pretty damn... Yes. <sighs> see, I will... See, I-, I can't believe we're discussing this. I would at least say that Busarenkin, like... It's been documented that Watsky did have a lot of different ideas in mind for Buso Renkin, but because, you know, unfortunately, Buso Renkin at one point was canceled, he, you know, he, uh, well, that and, you know, there were probably uh, just, there were probably just missed opportunities where, you know, he had an idea, he wanted to use it, but he couldn't find a place to use it. You know that guy who did Shaman King that we don't remember anymore? Hiroyuki Take. Yeah, yeah. So we don't remember him because he hangs out with Watsuki. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they're both like, hey, remember that one manga we used to do? Yep. Yeah. So uh, those were the good old days. Hey, uh, hey, t- hey, Take-san, what, what happened to working with Stan Lee? Oh, you know, um... You know, he's batshit insane, actually steals a bunch of shit, yeah. <laughs> God. And he kept calling both of my characters girls. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta read Ultimo at some point. No. Oh, I'm gonna read that it. That is the worst, mo- no, that's the worst manga of all time, right there, Ultimo. For, for 100% certain? <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, because I actually consecutively read Ultimo as it was being published in in, uh, English Jump. And uh, I've never despised myself as a human being uh, more than, no, well, that's not true. That's clearly not true. It's, uh, you know, hyperbole. But I'm saying, like, it's never felt, uh, it just, it felt so bad. It was like, this is doomed to fail. It's like, it's like too many chefs in the kitchen. It's like if you try and get a guy, cake boss in there with um, uh, uh, some other chef who's really accomplished, Guy Guy Ferrari, whatever, and they're trying to make like two different dishes at the exact same time. It's just they're both really skilled. They've both done great things. But, you know, or or I guess in, in uh, whatever his face was, Shaman King guy, all he really did was Shaman King. Um, but my point is they're cooking two separate things, 
at the same time in the same dish. It's like, huh? It's like I got this fondant spread over nothing but bacon. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, because that that's a meal. Great. I'm going to Taco Bell. You guys have fun making Ultima. Where they where they make better food. <laughs> where they make better food. I mean, it's like Taco Bell is probably equivalent to bleach. So that's you know what, Josh. I don't think I don't think a second ch- half of bleach. I don't. <laughs> First <laughs> half was more like Chick Fil A. Mm, I don't know. I I, I kind of prefer Taco Bell over Chick Fil A myself. You know, every once in a while when I'm in the mood, yeah, I totally hear you. But I eat, you know, I eat both. I, I don't discriminate. But no point being, uh, go read World War Blue or don't. I don't care. It's pretty stupid. You, you need to read it. Torico is kind of like KFC, I guess. Uh, come on, Torico has got to be a little better than KFC. Hometown buffet, like Denny's. No, that's My Hero Academia. It's not quite no, American, okay. but open all the time. <laughs> Torico is, I don't know what this Wendy's. is. Tor- like, my first instinct, Wendy's. Okay, it's you like, know what? That's fair. Where are these commercials coming from? I've never seen this place. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, this podcast has gone off the rails. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Manga Mavericks. Um, okay, so, Josh, where can the good people find you? I'm my, my, fellow Mel- my fellow Mavericks. I have lied to you. I've never read manga. No. Um, so, yes, if you enjoyed any of my commentary, my banter, my sense of humor, you can find me on Twitter. It's Josh underscore Dunham. Again, Senpai Coast to Coast is the name of my podcast. If you know Colton, you probably know my show. He and I do things often together. Uh, sometimes it includes uh, those those magazine articles of how to please your man. And then, <laughs> really, but but it could. And then there's also Wave Motion Cannon. Some very wonderful articles by uh, other people that aren't me. Uh, what I mean uh, by that is you have C.J. Hitchcock, some ra- uh, some really good articles by Tamerlane, um, other people like The Subtle Doctor and Jimmy Gnome. I mean, I got really great people to work with, and they're all writing about a, um, a very... It's a very diverse palette, a myriad of different things, a myriad of different things, rather, um, and... It's kind of hard to describe. I just encourage you to check it out. Just go and look at it. Right now, we're doing a project where we're looking at episode by episode as airing Mob Psycho. So go ahead, check that out. Again, Senpai Coast to Coast. You can find me on Twitter. I'd be more than happy to strike up a conversation with you. If you think that Bleach is actually good or, heaven forbid, uh, Busa Rankin, uh, track me down. Unless you are from Shueisha, unless that part gets cut from the podcast. Um, so, <laughs> Or World War Blue. Or- Please talk to please talk to Josh. No, about no, you'll World never War catch Blue. up to me World War Blue. That will be way too slow. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, please follow Josh's stuff. Like he does a lot of great stuff, and I'm not just saying that because I'm his friend. But no, seriously, please, please, please go, please go listen to Senpai Coast to Coast visit Wave Motion Can and all that stuff. Um, Sid, th- thank thank you for uh, hosting the podcast with me again. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun today. Yep. It was, an, it was an experience. Uh, so, Sid, um, where, where can the good people find you? You can find me on Twitter and my anime list as Lum Ranmayasha. Uh, I also have a art blog on Tumblr called Sid Gupta's Awesome Art Blog. I haven't updated it much recently, but now that I'm getting to some of the meat of my thesis work, I'll be posting a lot more content there uh, regularly. So uh, check that out. If you want to. And uh, I'm also on Animation Revelation uh, as Lamaramayasha as well. I'm running a Greatest Anime Episode Tournament uh, as a forum game. It's uh, a lot of fun. So, yeah, you can, if you want to talk to me, you can check me out there too. 
Right, and there you go. Fall said as well. He's a he's a pretty cool guy. It's my it's my you. endorsement. Um, but anyway, if you wanna if you wanna if you wanna follow me, I know I I I know I probably didn't talk a lot this episode, but th- honestly, that's mostly because I like. Uh, I, I didn't want to interrupt a lot of uh, Sid and Josh's conversations, and they were very good conversations. Um, and I'm glad people are getting to listen to them. Um, but you know, you want to you want to find me, you want to hear me talk about uh, stuff. You know, you can find me on a bunch of places. You can uh, you can follow me on Twitter at sniperking three two three. That's S N I P E R K I N G three two three. I also do a lot of other podcasts. If you're a fan of Gintama and uh you want to listen to me talk about that for hours on end literally hours on end uh that's that's life lessons you can tamamaka cast at gintolifelessons.wordpress.com you want to hear me talk about toriko there's the heavenly kings podcast at heavenlykings.wordpress.com you want to hear me talk about detective conan slash case closed there's a uh, one podcast prevails at one podcast but you know as for manga mavericks and you know the manga mavericks podcast in general uh, you can find this episode and more of our show at all-comic.com. You can also follow us on facebook.com slash all.comic or on twitter.com slash allcomic underscore. Um, we didn't have any emails this episode. Thank God. Uh, this episode would have ran a lot longer. Um, but but please do send us pl- emails. Pl- we enjoy please it. do send us emails. We enjoy having emails. Yes, please do send mm-hmm. us emails. Uh, you know, email us about, uh, I don't know, ask us how we're doing. Ask us what we're reading. Uh, ask us any uh, manga-related questions. Tell us about why you like Josh and why you maybe want to have him on another episode if we ever need another guest, uh, guest co-host or whatnot. Um, that's at mangamavericks at gmail.com. But the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Um you know, you don't have to, but it it, it does it, it does it does wonders for our publicity on iTunes. If you want other people to hear the podcasts that you listen to, you rate and review them positively. That is the rule. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or at least give us a five star rating. You know, you don't even have to write anything if you don't nothing want to. but five star ratings. Yes, nothing if if it's four, we will come after you along with Shoei. That's right. And Toei too. But anyway, thank you, Josh, for coming on the show once again. Um And thank you guys for listening to episode 13 of Manga Mavericks. Join us next time for episode 14 in the next uh, two weeks or so. Bye, guys. Sayonara. 